so in, inherently we have all just lost the game yeah exactly but you know it didn't lose the game the Boswell bloody Ravens The Drop Back with Sam Lewis Matt Burns Peak Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dropback Podcast. I'm your host this week, Jake Costanzo, and I am surrounded by a bunch of legends on via Zoom over the line. Uh, Samuel Lewis. Hey, Joe, someone's been watching around the NFL podcasts. I have not, unfortunately. Maybe it's just grained into <laughs> my head. Uh, and Matthew Burns Peak, how are we doing? Yeah, good, mate. Pleasure to be uh, surrounding you. Yeah, I feel very surrounded, very intimidated right now. You're both staring into my souls. In a sexy way? uh, I wouldn't describe it as sexy. More like, yeah, just just sad. In a way. Yeah. Let's let's move swiftly on to something. Fuck. He was trying to find a little segue there. (laughs) He was trying to find a way to say, you know what was sexy? The Baltimore Ravens win over the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where he's going with it. He's done it again. That was that was pretty sexy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, let's get right into it, shall we? I was pretty happy with this. I mean, Lamar Jackson is doing the what Madden 2008 Greg Jennings. He's putting the whole damn team on his back right now. <laughs> well, he's got, got a broken leg. He's just going I mean, down no, he's definitely his legs are definitely not broken. No, I mean, no, it, like, very much functional. I mean, the fact that they're playing with. A mismatch, hodgepodge, whatever you want to call it, offensive line. That the starting left tackle is now injured. The move that who was their right tackle, but in a way, but over to left tackle, got a load of backups in, and they're on their fourth string running back. The fact that Lamar Jackson fought them back from 11 points down against the Chiefs. You don't beat the Chiefs if you're in a hole and you've turned the ball over twice. It just doesn't happen. I mean, this was an incredible performance by Lamar Jackson and by the Ravens defense down the stretch as well. Yeah, big time, big time impressed with the Ravens. Big time impressed with Lamar Jackson. Like he just absolutely showed out. I mean, I I, I do dislike the whole narrative of when two really good quarterbacks are up against each other. You see all the graphics of like Mahomes versus uh, Jackson and all this stuff. You get Stephen A. Smith being like, you know, the only way the Ravens are going to win is if the if Jackson outperforms Mahomes and stuff like that. Like there's not there's not fifty two other guys yeah. that are. That are going to have an impact on the game, but um, but I mean, in the in this scenario, like Lamar Jackson absolutely balled out and and had a fantastic game, and uh, yeah, absolutely put the team on his back. Like essentially coming down from eleven points against this this Chiefs team is just something that doesn't happen. Um, and yeah, the Ravens fully deserved the win. Early on, I thought this was going to be a long bloody day for the Baltimore Ravens because mm, so did I. They, it was a pick on was it the first two drives. Uh, Lamar Jackson picks, or was it two of three? It was definitely the by the end of the first quarter that were there were two, two interceptions. But not only that, it seemed that the Ravens' defense would just not be able to stop the Chiefs because it seemed that every time they got the ball, they marched down, scored a touchdown within like two minutes early on. Yeah, yep, pretty much it. And go on, Joe. Yeah, no, I was I was just gonna say, uh, uh, very early on in the game it just looked like 
<laughs> Mahomes' arm talent was too much, and he was just finding guys and throwing from crazy angles. I yeah yeah I I feel like um the oh God what am I trying to say? We often query that. While you're thinking, I'm just gonna keep talking about the Baltimore Ravens defense and see if we get back to you. If that's yeah. cool, Joe. Yeah, go ahead. I mean. Martindale basically did everything against his inner nature because he didn't just zero blitz the entire time like he did against the Raiders because Mahomes would have chewed him up and spat them out. Yeah. So they played pretty disciplined. It was like it was too deep most of the game. And I mean, you're not going to win every time against the Chiefs doing that, but it gives you a, at least a fighting chance. And then that, oh, I can't remember who it was at turn. Um, called, it was. Um, Daffy Owe, wasn't it, that caused the turnover from it was yeah Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, if that if they if they don't get that strip there, no matter how well Lamar Jackson played and the Chiefs played and the Baltimore Ravens defense played, that's game over right there. If Adafe doesn't yeah, um, strip that ball. I mean, that's being sort of brushed over. I mean, fair mm. enough in the fact that the ballsy nature of Lamar Jackson just going, Yeah, mate, I'll go I'll go for it on fourth down. Mm. That was fun. Of course I bloody will. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, while we're talking about the, the Ravens defense as well, like one of the things that I really liked about their performance was even when they were in a hole early, like they stuck to to they stuck to their guns with a lot of the coverage stuff they were doing. Like they kept blanketing uh, Tyree Kill, like even when you know, there were a few times where Kelsey had you know, Kelsey had some monster plays and they were that like, is very easy after there's a big play from another one of the playmakers to go, right, fuck it, like we need to we need to change something up. We need to cover him more. But I think the Ravens did a really good job of prioritizing the threats and taking Tyree Kill out of the game for a lot of it with their blanket coverage um, and their bracket their bracket sets. And it, and it worked really well. Yeah, it's what you've got to do against the um, Chiefs, isn't it? They're so explosive that you just have to be like, right, we're going to keep it all in front of us. We're going to make you play mistake-free football the entire game. And there are times when the Chiefs will be like, all right, fine. I'm just going to throw it to Travis Kelsey 50 times and he'll rack up 200 yards and they'll win anyway <laughs> because that's what happens yeah. when they're talented as they are. But sometimes they'll, sometimes they'll come off. And the, I mean, this game could be played the exact same way and maybe the Chiefs come up with the win because they don't fumble on that fourth down or they complete a few more underneath passes. But this yeah. is a huge win for the Ravens, especially against what was probably a pretty crushing loss week one. And they need to pick up wins because their schedule is brutal down the back half yeah. of the schedule yeah I, I it's also a game where it kind of um excited me to if you actually were listening to the game like the the noise in that stadium was just pretty in, intense the, the entire game um even when we were when we were down a bit early on in the game uh it, it kept up so having fans back in the stadium i think really helped for us i will say that yeah that's gonna make Sorry, I will say that um, the trust that Harbour has in Lamar Jackson is pretty gone good to see as well. Like having mm. going to your quarterback saying, "Do you want to take this?" and then the answer was always going to be yes. I, I think he he knows when he's going out and saying that the answer is going to be yes, and it's basically yeah. uh, it's basically four down territory. Imagine how bad that would be if he'd said no, though. He'd have got mean. He's like, like, nah, mate. Like, not feeling it, fellas. Let's punt it because you know Mahomes <laughs> is scoring if he gets the ball back. Yeah. Hamstrings tight. Don't fancy it, John. But I think uh, Harbour said if Pat Mahomes is in that situation, he's going for it. So 
yeah it made yeah. sense yeah and completely correct as well but i, I mean I, I i like that i like your point there joe like i feel like it would have been if, if it was like fourth and 15 and you asked them like should we go for it he'd still definitely say yes as well because he just would just back himself to break like six tackles yeah. i mean anything less than six yards i would have trusted lamar and the ravens this day because the chiefs had no idea mm. Where the ball was going half Didn't the time, they kept, they kept, and they did a nice thing. Just keep reading Chris Jones. They pointed out on the broadcast. It's like, right, there's no one on this Ravens offensive line that can actually block you, so we're just going to make you wrong every single play. And mm. when the linebackers have no idea where the ball is going, and you take your best defensive lineman out of the equation, it's no wonder the fourth string running back can have success because you're not asking too much of him. Yeah. And I think that is like, I think that that's the sort of offensive trends that we're going to see a lot more of in the NFL as we've sort of started to see the league trend to trend a lot more with like defensive stars and stuff, like having a more flexible game plan that almost operates based on, you know, using the defensive players as a cadence and as a, as like a, a morning starter to how you want to line up and the play you want to run. Like I said, you can just bypass these players which have game wrecking ability by making the play go a completely different way to them. Um, and the Ravens did a really good job of, of modelling their game plan based on how to avoid those big those big players like Chris Jones and stuff and, and take, like you said, take them out of the equation. I mean, this game does absolutely nothing for how I view either of these teams. I still think the Chiefs are no. a fantastic probably Super Bowl team. I still, I wasn't that low on the Ravens afterwards, but it's probably quite Even a nice... Even after week one? Yeah. I mean, did if not, we look back... Did not take a hit with the Raiders? I took from that Raiders game. I took more that we'd underestimated the Raiders rather than over they yeah. rather than overhyped the Ravens. Um, like I think the Raiders are actually just a way better football team than we thought they'd be. Yeah. Should we get right into that? And yeah, well, talk while we're talking it. about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. You say the Ravens proved it wasn't really a fluke by beating the Steelers last week. How do we? How do we feel about the Raiders? Carr's, sorry, I did say Raiders, the Raiders. Yeah. You said Ravens again. Ravers, the dirty ravers, the ravers, <laughs> the dirty. Ra- yeah, so, I like that. Yeah, the the Raiders proved it wasn't a fluke by beating the Steelers. So, um, I guess mm. I've got a few questions here. The first, first and foremost, are the Raven are the Raiders <laughs> a lot better than people were giving them credit for? I think hugely. Yeah, like honestly, I I think I mean to be fair. One of the things with the Raiders over the last few seasons or since since Gruden sort of took the role has been like, you just don't really know what the fuck's going on with the Raiders um, most of the time. Like, they make very strange personnel decisions. They make very strange draft decisions. Like, their roster seems very strangely put together. But actually, on game days, I think we've probably we've criminally underrated them for, like, how they turn up on game days. Like, mm. but Especially all of their offense. wacky... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like for all of their, their wacky decisions that they make as a franchise in terms of the 53 that are going to play, like on game day, their offenses are usually really, really good and really, really good at adapting to the opposition they're playing against. Like John Gruden is a fantastic game manager and, and game planner that sort of gets lost in the aftermath of like when they make ridiculous personal decisions and draw drop or draft like 20 safeties or whatever. Like it's easy to forget that actually on Sundays they're really fucking good at adapting to who they're against and game planning specifically week to week. Uh, and I think, again, you saw that against the Steelers. Like, the Steelers have a defence that is universally regarded as one of the best in the NFL. 
and the Raiders didn't really lose a step against them. They, they changed up some of the things they did a little bit and still got massive success. Yeah, I mean, there were going to be people that said, oh, TJ Watt missed half the game and Joe Hayden wasn't playing, which is, I mean, a valid point, but the Raiders still, yes, and the rest of that defense is still good. They've still got Minka Fitzpatrick and like Cam Haywood. Mm. I mean, the, Ra- the Raiders, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. Like John Gruden is a really smart offensive mind and he's become a meme somewhat because of his time <laughs> away and because of the yeah. whole Chucky shtick and the fact that everything he's done with Mike Mayock in the front office. But he yeah. can bloody yeah. call an offense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they did. I, I, they did I, sorry, Joe, go ahead. I, I don't think that, that just going back to what you said about the TJ Watt excuse, I mean, if going into the, the game, the Raiders didn't have Josh Jacobs as well, which mm. is a, a huge piece. So, yeah, you could make the same argument on, on that side. And that clearly affected the, the run game. Yeah. And I mean, they were, they're out. Um, they were missing three offensive line starters, weren't they? The rate the Raiders. Yeah, they themselves. were they were kind of banged up. They were kind of banged up uh, on the O line as well. I mean the tight end, they've got a nice set of tight ends. I mean, obviously you know about Waller because he's good, but like Foster Moreau and Derek Carrier do great jobs of especially in the run blocking game and the mm. play action that they build off that. I mean, they did an awesome job basically keeping the Steelers out of nickel, which most teams have yeah. as their base now, and be like, right, we're gonna make sure that we know that Darren Waller is one on one with a linebacker. Because we're going to make it blatantly obvious where we, when we line him up, we're, we're going to move the running backs around, move the tight ends around. You're not going to be able to disguise what you're doing. So we'll see. We see you're in man, and we're just going to go to Dan Waller every single time. It works, yeah, because, because he's amazing. Because if you have got Joe Schobert, who is a decent guy in coverage, but he's also what maybe six one max, and he's yeah, definitely yeah. not Darren Waller's speed. Like that's a matchup you're going to take every single time. Exactly. Yeah, Darren Waller basically sits in that tweener zone where he's he's too big to, you know, really put a dedicated defensive back against him, and then yeah. too too quick and agile to just stick a linebacker yeah. in there. Yeah, and the great the, the only great... way you can sort of deal with that is um, like when you start to get some of these dedicated safeties who are just like tight end erasers, but there aren't enough of them in the league, and they're not. They, every team doesn't have one, so you can't deal with Darren Waller every week. The, the Darren Waller, him being an absolute mismatch, is what led to the what nail in the coffin touchdown to Henry Ruggs right over the mm. top because he runs a deep out. It's single high safety. Minka Fitzpatrick obviously sees Darren Waller streaking towards him down the seam moves over there, and then it's rugged straight over the top for about 60 yards or so. Great ball yeah. from Derek Carr, who, like, the biggest complaint about him was that he isn't aggressive enough downfield, and he's been doing that this season. He's, he's You know he's thrown, like, 120-odd yards more than anyone else through two games. That's a lot of yards. Really? I didn't realise it was that much. That was that yeah, I saw many. that lunch day. I was like, that seems too many. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember when all the talk was that, uh, you know, John Gruden didn't like Derek Carr and he wasn't the right, he wasn't the right uh, relationship fit with him and stuff like that. Okay, and like, that happened every off-season. Off I, I, I don't understand that. It's just, yeah. I, 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 I think I, I still get, get like, unless you're watching Derek Carr week after week, he doesn't have enough splash plays that I'm getting the casual fan. And I was like this until you start watching their highlights or more of their games. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, but is he a franchise level quarterback or is he just a guy? Is he just that old Andy Dalton scale? Yeah. I don't know. We were saying last year though that Derek Carr deserves a lot more recognition for for what he's doing. And this just seems to be the fruits of his labor so far. 
Oh yeah, but to be fair, last year was when we started watching actually like more of all the teams rather than just yeah. being like, oh, I don't hear about him that much. He can't be that good. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting with quarterbacks as well because so much of it depends on the O-line they've got and the situation they're in in terms of game planning and, and like play calling. It's getting your excuses like, in for later down the season now. Just going to keep sprinkling that in. Thing. Not a thing. Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, yeah, and like... They, they've clearly, like Gruden's clearly managed to build quite a good understanding of what Carr does well and how he can get the most out of him and, and the weapons that they have. Mm. Um, and you're, you're, you're seeing the benefits of that now. Like they, they seem to be in perfect sync in terms of like play, play calling and game managing every Sunday now. Like they're on a, a great role. Yeah. And on the other side of the ball, they actually have a pass rush. Max Crosby yeah. seems like he's going to have a breakout year. Yannick Ngokwe, who you've been high on for years, to be fair, Matt. Looking like mm-hmm. a nice little free agent addition for them. Matt just liked his name. <laughs> you did not just like his name. I liked you're him because saying, we, when, like whenever going, he came... Yannick Ngokwe. No, I liked him because we when we went to the, all the uh, London games and it was always the Jags playing and it was always uh, Ngokwe off the edge with some monster plays in, in London. And I was like, He's 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 a fucking dude, mm. and thus it was proven to be true. Yeah, and I mean, I forgot until like this week, a week before, that they actually had Casey Haywood, who when he's yeah. healthy, which is a big win for him, it's still a top quality corner. Yeah, he's in good. his league. He's really good. So I mean, I don't know how much, and there was still missed tackles on occasions, and a little bit of. But it's a young team, especially on that back end, other than Casey Haywood. So it's somewhat to be expected. But, yeah, I mean, that Steelers offense is fucking disgustingly bad. Yeah, yeah. it really I sucks. Mean, I mean, it's, the O-line's terrible. The O-line's so, terrible, but the play calling's bad. Like, all the stuff was be like, oh, um, Canada's coming in. He's going to have loads of motion and loads of part, play action from Big Ben. And it's the exact same thing. It's four or sometimes five wide in gun. Yeah. Maybe there's there's a one go route, and it's like right if it's Chase um, Claypool one on one, I'll just loft it to him. Otherwise, I'm throwing it five yards and hoping someone yeah. can do something after the catch. The rest of it's just bloody screens to Deontay Johnson. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, well. but that can't be your whole bloody offense. It's so un- unimaginative, and like you can you can get away with sprinkling like screens and five yard plays into your into your offense 100. But when that becomes the bulk of your game plan, then as a defense, you're just like, all right, cool, we'll sit off five yards, and then we'll just come down on the come down on the play, mm-hmm. and you, yeah, you can catch it, but you'll make like two yards. Yeah, and Steelers fans have got to stop confusing a lofted ball downfield that's an absolute wobbler just a wee. Into a vicinity to, to any semblance of arm strength from Big Ben, because he has yeah. nothing left in that arm. He can't, he can't throw with any pace at all. Like that, all of his deep throws are, like you said, they're those lofted, like take an age to cut, go up, take an age to come down. Like and not like a beautiful Russell Wilson no rainbow. Exactly. There's no zip. There's no pace. There's no any of that. It's basically just. I'm going to dangle the, the ball around there. And I mean, like, fair play, he puts it in the right area for, for Claypool to make a play. That's fine. But you can't compare that to, like you said, like the other quarterbacks in this league who can make that throw with zip and put it on line and, and with a bit of tempo. Yeah. I mean, this, this 
degradation of you know his his arm has been happening. I mean, we picked up on this this last season as well, towards the latter half of that season, is that you know it looked like there was a lot of dump off passes, and he's struggling mm. to throw the ball deep, and that has just obviously uh, hasn't improved uh, going into this season. So I'm. Yeah, it's more it's... more for me to be honest for actually believing that an offensive coordinator change would be able to convince Ben to do something that he is absolutely reluctant to do. And I I, I yeah. put it in the group chat, didn't I? The one time when he because I was so shocked that he actually ran a play action from under center. Yeah, directly took some convincing to, like, to ben, allow that play you to can throw five yards out for the rest of the season, but do this for me once, please. Yeah, he's like fucking now, fine, he'll shut you up. Speaking about terrible offensive lines, the Seahawks lost to the Titans in overtime, thirty-three to ten. Who's the terrible offensive line there? Oh, I'd argue the Seahawks. Both the Seahawks are sort of all right now. Not bad, bad. I don't think either mm. e- either are terrible. I don't think either played particularly well on Sunday, though. To be fair, yeah. I'm not, entirely, I'm not entirely sure how the Seahawks lost this game. Yeah. I don't. I don't know like, if it's because Todd Downing remembered that he he's allowed to call play action or passing games on first and second down. He doesn't just have to run the ball, so that might have yeah. made the Seahawks actually think about what's coming rather than just fitting every game. Oh, it's not a Derrick Henry play. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they started. Oh, you know what? We're, well, last year let's do um, two wide receiver play action and have an in cutter from either AJ Brown or Julio Jones, who are still very good players who you could have forgot yeah. about last week. That's the thing. Like, it was so strange last week watching the Titans and, and how they game-planned. It was almost like, yes, everyone knows Derek Henry's an absolute monster of running back, but if you make it ridiculously obvious every time he's going to touch the ball, then it doesn't really matter. Like, yes, he'll maybe break three tackles, but if he's getting tackled three times behind the line of scrimmage because they've keyed on that it's a run, that's, it's still not good. Like, there was so much hype and we were so excited about their offense and they just it's almost like they just decided not to use half of it for the week one. Yeah. And the first half of this game. And then we saw yeah. Seahawks have some well Seahawks breakdowns, especially trying to stop the run. Yeah. It was it was painful. I'm not I'm still not sure how they lost this game. Like they were in such a driving seat and they just couldn't move the ball in the second half. I think they had one it seemed like they had one scoring drive in the second half, which was just a, when I can't remember. Like the third string running back just went straight open down the middle. Like an absolute yeah. busted coverage. And other than that, they weren't able to do nothing. Yeah, it looks like the Seahawks defense has gone from progressively over the years being its strongest asset to its biggest liability, especially yeah. in the secondary. Yeah, it looked bad at times last year as well. I mean, the first half of last season, well, it was a, oh, yeah, this has been a historically this has been bad. A, a, a fairly, fairly long process, but. You know, over the last five years, let's say. I mean, to be fair, they yeah. played well last week against a Colts team that had then success against the LA Rams, who we all believe are a good defense. So I don't think they're a bad defense. It was just weird to see, because especially in the first half of this game, just weird to see those breakdowns. Absolutely. And I mean, if we were talk, we talk about um, the Steelers' offensive coordinator change changing absolutely nothing. I mean. Um, you will never be able to convince Russell Wilson to throw over the middle of the field, which throws out the entirety of this Sean McVay-Shanahan scheme 
of the overs off play action. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to give you a bit of advantage with play action and the motions that they're running this year, but he will only throw over the top or outside the numbers. And you, yeah. there's nothing you will be able to do to change the Seahawks. So there were thoughts that, well, maybe he'll be able to get over the um, issues because playing against too high that he had down the stretch last year when you're just restricting the deep ball. But if he doesn't take those open shots over the middle, it's going to be the exact yeah. same situation. I mean, there's still going to be a good offense because Russell Wilson is a fantastic throw of the ball. But just sometimes throw to guys that are open, fella. Yeah. I mean, that, that would certainly help. I mean, I'd like like you said, Slew, I'm still just baffled they managed to lose this game. Like, going towards half-time, I was like, okay, well, this one's done. Like, quite a convincing win for the Seahawks. Fair play, whatever. Move on to next week. See what see if the Titans can, like, work out how to actually use all their players. And then, yeah, to throw away that sort of lead must absolutely suck for a Seahawks fan. Because, man, that's just, like you said, bust coverages. Russ Wilson refusing to use the middle of the field. It's like easily identifiable, but very big mistakes that are happening. Like that just happened continuously. And the running game also fell to pieces in that second half as well. Mm. I mean, it's weird. I've never seen a fan base on Twitter hate their own team more than the Seattle Seahawks fans. Oh, you should come over to Miami Twitter. No, because. It's different because Seattle have had so much success over the last, what, five to seven years? Yeah. Probably about that. Yeah. Russell Wilson drafted, what, 2012, was it? There was a large yeah, influx of, of Seattle fans at one point. Well, uh, especially in the UK. Yeah, because I think it, the sort of sport sort of got really big here as the Legion of Boom were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that explains it. But no, Seahawks fans on Twitter, they hate Russell Wilson and his inability to throw over the middle. They hate, they bloody hate Pete Carroll and his insistence on running the ball. And it's just bizarre. Like they hated Martin Sch- Marty Schottenheimer last year. And now they're like, oh, this, the new offense is um, the exact same as Schottenheimer's offense, pe- player, um, pass concepts. Oh, it must be Russ's fault or Pete Carroll's fault. It's just bizarre. Like you're a perennial playoff team. But at the same time, I suppose yeah. their NFC Championship game losers or the round before that. Or divisional round losers every single year. Yeah, so. but they haven't haven't gone super deep for a while. A man who did go fairly deep a few times last week. Oh, God, I hope this is still football related. Was Kyler Murray? <laughs> Thank God for that. Who kind of balled out a little bit, just breaking four hundred yeah. yards against the Vikings. Kind of proving that it's also another thing with the Raiders, like. Maybe not so much of a fluke week one. Slew, you're looking at me funny. How are you um, feeling? The face isn't to do with Kyler Murray. He was awesome. But the face is just, we, just you. No, the, the face is um, if the team is not so much. If we're, it, if we're it, sure it's about the, the face team. of the card. Um, if, yeah. if Lamar Jackson is carrying the Ravens offense, Kyler Murray is in, carrying this entire goddamn franchise right now from play callers to the entire <laughs> roster. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand Cliff Kingsbury play calling. I feel if you had any more of an inventive coach, then they'd they'd already be Super Bowl contenders because he's just calling basic ass concepts time after time. I mean, the advantage is these little short passes look a hell of a lot better to run down more than they did to slow ass Larry Fitzgerald. So that's a benefit. Joe, you're doing that face because you're worried what Stan's going to say. 
Don't be scared of Stan. He's, he can't hurt you. He's, he's I know he's tall. <laughs> yeah, but he's slender man, isn't he? So you'll be fine. No, to be fair, to, to say that, what is he, 39 at this point? If not more. 39 year old is slow, is, is not. I mean. Yeah, and yeah, what, Larry 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 is a great player. Yeah, he's built, yeah. he's built for that. But Kyler Murray is basically, he's just running around, running around. Oh, I've run around enough for you to get open. I'm just going to absolutely zip it in here. And he's playing with so much arrogance right now. It's like, I'm going to yeah, win yeah. the entire game with every single throw. And yeah. most of the time, it's coming Hero off. Ball. Except for those, I mean, there were two ugly picks. That was, yeah, one of the, the, the pick six was horrible. Pick six is horrible. And so a, was the one dumb play. Um, that was basically straight at the post safety. He was like, I'm just going to whip it in there and my guy's going to come down with it. He's like, nah. He's just, I'm just going to jump ahead of you, mate. That's not your guy, Kyle. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's worrying that the um, Cardinals defense struggled with the Vikings offense this much. An offense yeah. that looked, mm. offense that struggled against the Bengals defense last week. I mean, that is worrying. I mean, their linebackers flow to the ball so quickly. And like Zayvon Collins is so sure that he's right, that when he's not right, <laughs> he is so out of position. Yeah. And which words against the Titans when it was obvious what they were calling. But the Vikings changed it up just enough to keep like mm. the Cardinals wrong quite a lot of the time. Like it was just chunk play after chunk play after chunk play for Dalvin Cook. It seems like every time he touched the ball, he'd get eight yards on the ground. Do you think that's a, a victim of Zayvon Collins is a victim of his scheme uh, in college because he had a very simple scheme where he basically had to read, you know. Yeah, quite a simple read concept, didn't he? With his cues of when to fire off and when to. I mean, maybe, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it may just be, but at the same time, whatever it's a product of, or if it's college's fault of what he's being asked to do now, it's it's not helpful for change. them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I know, like, I mean, I, I I I I have been impressed with the Cardinals. I think, like I said, it is a lot of that is. Kyler Murray making huge plays and bailing them out of some situations. I mean, Kyle, the football intelligence and game awareness that Kyler Murray plays with at the moment is outrageous. Like when he's scrambling around, it's like he's scrambling around and he, but he's always still looking to be able to make a pass is what's impressive. He, he doesn't go into that panic mode of like, shit, like everything's broken down. I need to, you know, get me on the line of scrimmage and, and try and get some positive yardage. It's like, he's like, yeah, everything's broken down. And there's people flying at me, but I'm still going to keep my head up and, and look what's downfield and, and see if where, if there's an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, Slew, about the defense, like they are, they look so susceptible to misdirection against the, against the Vikings. Um, and I don't know if that's because they're quite young still. And like you said, you've got players like Collins and things like that who are still learning their trade and, you know, younger players, more inexperienced players are going to be naturally more susceptible to falling from misdirection and things like that. But that's something they're going to need to rectify soon because as soon as teams start seeing that, that's not a difficult thing to work into a playbook or a game plan, like misdirection concepts and, you know, those replays and things like that. And that can make that could make life very difficult for the Cardinals throughout the season if they can't get if they can't sort it out. Yeah, and their corner duo looks more like the pair we were expecting rather than the two that had a good game against Tennessee. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have faith that they'll be able to turn it around in terms of their starting corners. I think I do. I do think their starting corners are talented and will be good this season. Mm. I think as a, as a defense, they have a problem with 
the situations they put themselves in, be it because of over over enthusiasm and buying too hard on on initial movement, or be it because you know they're not getting into the right the right packages and the and the right plays in entirety. Um, either way, that defense right now needs to improve a lot to be able to stop having to put Kyle Murray in positions where he has to do the heroics. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is high on Kyle Murray, not high on the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, I need to see a Basically. little bit more before I'm like, yeah, I'm sold on them as a playoff team. I'm just not there yet. I mean, it's been two weeks and Kyle Murray is playing out of his skin, but I mean, he played out of his skin last year as well, early on. <laughs> Another team that kind of, uh, wow, you could argue that Sam Darnold also played out of his skin against mm. against the Saints. He played pretty well. No, why? Like, uh, uh, slew with the judgmental faces again. Like, what, what's, what's this? He's about? a tough man to impress. Hit, it, um, hit me, hit me, Matt. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'll admit it straight away when when Sam Darnold went to the Panthers. I was like, yeah, he sucks, to be honest. Like, I've seen him at the Jets. He was not very impressed at all at the Jets. He had a lot of hype, but never really lived up to it. Like, probably he's going to be a bit of a rotating door uh, in Carolina for a while if they go with him as the starter. But, like, to his credit, he's looked pretty solid through the first two weeks. I mean, obviously, that offense goes and, and lives and breathes through Christian McCaffrey, sure. But Donald is making plays by himself as well, which he... We didn't. We, we saw in flashes at the Jets, but they were littered with mistakes. Like he'd make a really nice throw, a really low percentage throw that he'd pull off, and then the next play he'd come back with a dumb pick. And he's seemed to have managed to start to cut some of that stuff out at the, at the Panthers. And I mean, Slew's looking at me like he's not convinced that that those mistakes haven't gone away. Mm, I don't know. I think you. I think you're right. He's largely those mistakes aren't there, but I think a lot of it is due to the fact that you mentioned CMC. They've also got three legitimate receivers. Like Terrace Marshall is playing mm. well as a rookie, as a number three. DJ Moore's a great player. And Robbie Anderson, I think, is just Roby. certified. No. Roby Anderson. Sorry. Is it Roby? Yeah. Roby. Is Roby. 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 I do apologize, yeah. Roby. Roby. Is what a great deep threat now. Um, but Joe Brady is making things so bloody simple for Sam Darnold. Yeah, it's it all easy throws, it's rollouts, it's play action. And failing that, I may just dump it off to CMC at the line of scrimmage and he'll get you 10 yards because he's just that bloody good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's a nice thing to and have. And then it's the times where he plays out of that structure that you see some of those dumb picks, like when he's hitting defenders straight in the chest. Yeah. I mean, that's not a smart thing to do anytime. Joe Brady's going to get himself Absolutely. a head coaching role off the back of this season. I don't understand why more, more teams don't adopt this structure as well in terms of like, Understanding, understanding your like your your quarterback's ability, and even if they've got a really good quarterback, if you make things simpler as a concept and as a general game plan and playbook, people are going to be able to execute it to a higher standard. I do think we sometimes see teams sort of, you know, playbook and, and game plan themselves into holes because they're trying to be too too complicated. Um, and you know, Joe Brady's a, a classic example of just keeping it simple same sort of concepts but executing them to a high standard yeah you're going to struggle if it when when you get into situations where you've got to play out of that structure but i mean that's the same for anyone you want to make sure yeah exactly you like if it comes if the game comes down to how well you can play in outside of structure then you've probably got a low percentage chance of winning that game regardless to be honest because something's gone wrong I think you've just literally just described the cardinals offense yeah 
Yeah. But I'll be looking at Joe Brady for next year. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a bad shout, actually. But Dude, uh, I don't know what I'm I'd be curious because Stan's not here today. Like if it continues like this and the chart and Cardinals end like ten and seven and get a wild card spot. Uh, is that annoying because it means you keep Cliff Kingsbury around for another year? Yeah. I don't know. He's just not the answer do you think, as a play caller. He's just not. Are you, are you convinced on that? Is that yeah. are you I've seen, I've seen on, no progress. Like, he calls a nice run game, to be fair to him. Some nice options, some nice like movement in there. But it's just basic-ass air raid concepts. It's mesh, it's Y-cross, it's drive, it's all that sort of basic stuff that works when you're at Tech, was it Texas Tech he was at? Yeah. And you yeah, have better, you have better athletes than half the other Big 12 teams. But when you're in the NFL, you can't rely on just being better athletes than the other than yeah. the players ahead of you. Because you everyone's call, a great athlete. You have to call better concept. You have to call a better game. And he's I don't see him ever like handing off play calling duties because that's what he is. He's an offensive play caller. So you wouldn't expect Jimmy um Jimmy Garoppolo. Because he's basically puppeting him, Kyle Shanahan to hand off play calling duties if it ever went that same with Sean McVay, because that's what they are. I mean, they're, they're offensive masterminds. Cliff Kingsbury's never going to do that. And until I see improvement, oh, which we haven't seen for three years, I'm not going to see yeah. Cliff Kingsbury as a viable, like, top tier head coach. Fair enough. Yeah. Switching over to the other side of the Panthers and Saints game, uh, Jameis Winston had one of his, what I would describe, from me and Slew's experience of seeing him in person as a, a bad Jameis time, bad Jameis day. Oh, no, not a bad you Jameis You get your good Jameis, you get your bad Jameis. You never know which one you're going to get. Life I is think, like a box of Jameises. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we knew that less than 150 yards and five touchdowns isn't sustainable because that's just a wild yeah. stat line. That was so strange. That was ridiculous. And if we want to give the Saints a little bit of an out, they were missing seven of their coaching staff. Eight, eight of their coaching and staff. Nine, so and much so nine that, of their starters. Yeah, and that so the person who was in charge of offensive um, in and out subs was Ian Book, their their rookie uh, third string quarterback. How hilarious would that have been if he just put himself in? <laughs> like, yeah, James, you're out. I'm like putting uh, me in. James, your second interception of the day. Mm. I mean, they were missing their O line coach and the fact yeah. is they couldn't deal with the Panthers pass rush early on like they couldn't adjust they couldn't it. adjust I mean yeah that's great and, and that's a huge handicap uh, and, that, NFL, and like Matt it. knows what it's like to have like basically missing a line coach or a line coach is, is how hard it is to get a good one yeah so if you're missing them yeah, you can't adjust like these players are great but there's a reason they have coaches hmm and you know the best the best teams are, are the ones that I mean, like we spoke about John Gruden and stuff earlier, and how good the Raiders look right now because they are able to adjust and be so flexible and change things so much with their game planning. Like so much of, especially in the modern NFL, comes down to how much you can adjust to what the other teams are doing and exploit what they're doing. So if you're missing your coaching staff who are going to put in those adjustments, like. You're going to end up in a situation where the players are like, I mean, things are going wrong. And I haven't got a fucking clue how to stop it, to be honest. Like, I've got and you're no just understanding. You're getting frustrated because you're getting beaten in the same way. And you, yeah, exactly. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, that that's. I think that is a very, very valid excuse for the Saints for that sort of performance. Like mm. the other issue is that's a big game changer. Yeah, the other issue is that their 
their receiving weapons just aren't good enough. Like they're, no. they're, it's it's just not. I mean, and to ask Kamara to do everything without a viable X receiver to just draw a little bit of attention, like keep players honest somewhat, it's going to be a mm. long day for him. And you saw him like getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage, um, when they're when they're flying him out like they like to on passing plays. It's like, well, that's just where all the attention is going to go because I'm not scared of being beaten one on one by any of the other guys. Exactly. Yeah, so like, if they've either that, got to trade for someone, or they've got to hope that Mike Thomas is Mike Thomas when he comes back, because otherwise they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But I, I think the Saints team falls somewhere in between what we've seen over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think week one was fool's gold, and I don't think they're as bad as what they were against the Panthers. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think they're, I think they're a decent team. Like, it's a pretty shitty hand to get served with eight of your coaches out for a week absolutely yeah. yeah i mean i think i think you took any any nfl i mean i think if, if you put the chiefs in the same situation to be honest like right you like you've got to play this you've got to play this week without any of your coaches so if plan a doesn't work then be fair I, I reckon like the chiefs the maybe seahawks offense and the cardinals offense are maybe the only three that can do it because those because, because of what they work out like, well. like at times they literally just play like flag football anyway. Yeah, true. And like Kelsey and Mahomes have so much chemistry that I reckon they could just call concepts for the rest of the team, and then Kelsey just goes to Mahomes like, "Yeah, you know what I'm doing? Absolutely." Yeah. It's like it's like drunk and I'm Brady. Right, you know I'm going to pretend to block yeah, this true. guy and go go twenty yards down the seam, and for some reason I'm going to do it every single time, and no one's going to block me. No one's going to key onto it. Well, did you see that Grunk said he doesn't watch film? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I like. That have you watched? Not, have you, did you watch the Manning broadcast yesterday? I watched bits of it. Like, it was, quite was hilarious on it. And I don't think he was acting. I think he is just generally that mental. He's that guy. He is that guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I feel a bit sorry for for Cam Brate though, who was like, "Do you watch film?" And he was like, "No." And it's, it must be like frustrating to be like, "Well, how are you so fucking good then?" To be honest, because we play the same position, I'm putting loads of work, and you're just like not even trying effortlessly there. I, I don't think he means he never watched film. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was, it was tongue in cheek uh, for sure. But like, although I don't think you can get away with not watching film at the Patriots. To be honest, you probably get murdered by acts. It's probably Brady. Maybe that's why he's just, yeah, maybe he's just loving life in uh, in Tampa Bay now because he hasn't got any of that stress. To be fair, when he says he probably doesn't watch film, he probably means in his own time. Like he'll still be at meetings when they're watching film or like positional meetings. It's not just going. I don't need yeah. it. Mate. Got Brady. Exactly. And I think for context, it was more about like watching film on defense, the other team's defensive players and stuff like that, because they were talking about coverage and shit, weren't they? So like, I think it was more in the context of like, oh, do you watch film on like the safety that's going to be covering you this week? And he's and he's like, no, nah, shit, I'm past him. <laughs> Which he does, to be honest. So you can't really knock it. Yeah, I mean, as long as he keeps, you know, if he averages two touchdowns a game, then there's nothing to really to complain about. Indeed. Indeed. Here's something that someone might complain about. Our Pickham's results. Is it going to be me complaining because I'm last? Oh, baby. Oh. I don't know about that. Do you want me to go bottom up or top down? Always, bottom up. Always go bottom up. You've got to go bottom, bottom up. We've not seen bottom naked up. traction. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So in joint fourth place, we have... <laughs> Daniel and Stan 
That's not me. I believe I can't yes. remember. Slew, if, if Stan was pretty high up last week, this is a bit of a fall. I think Stan was joined second, yeah. And then he went eight and eight. Did he just get in his own cranium this week and completely That's bamboozle himself? Well, we hit Miami, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's last last year's uh, winner taking a big turn in, in week two. Yeah, Number three, we have Alex, voicey Joycey. Joycey. Number two, it's Joe Costanzo. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> which no. which means joint number one is Matt Burns Peak and Sam Lewis. Yeah, boy. The fucking boy yeah, is boy. the top. How is how is this possible? I I picked Detroit. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's otherwise <laughs> you would have been clear at the top. I oh my god. Yeah, I, why I, did you two do that? I'm I don't know. I I. I was actually, I think I was last place or like second last. You were, you were, you were quite actually far adrift. So I just started, I I just went for it and went for a few opposite picks just to. Yeah, like that. Joey swag for the fences, mate. I I picked Detroit basically just to to see if the Green Bay thing was a a one-off issue or if it was like, you know, maybe Green Bay are going to be bad this year. It was a one-off issue, although their defense looked terrible for most of that game still. Their defense sucked. Um, so it wasn't a million miles off. Goffed. What a dickhead. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they got I think goffed. they just absolutely ran over the um, Detroit Lions, though. Uh, they could not stop Aaron mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah. Well, maybe they should try that against the Saints last week, like not just completely abandon the run. But it's like you go 17 points that down, cool. you can understand why you panic a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like Aaron yeah. Jones is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL and should be treated as such. It's that Aaron Jones doesn't get enough respect, take Joe. Really, my man. There's not, there's not enough respect on his name. Respect I think he gets no pl- plenty of respect. There's always room for more respect. <laughs> all right. So I think that's pretty much all we've got. Enough well, you're res- not going to let Matt have a Miami Dolphins run. Oh, God. oh no, I can't. I'm so angry still, honestly. Fine. You, you get five minutes. I don't want five minutes. Five. I don't want any minutes. Well, what, about if we say, what about if we say that if two was a good quarterback, he'd be able to, you know, make up for the last... say you're a liar, you're a scoundrel, you're a whore. Yeah, that was a lie. Because that that um, Miami Dolphins offensive line is terrible. Like, they just don't Fuck stop. Like, like, the Chiefs, the Bills aren't a particularly strong pass-rushing unit. I mean, they're fine, but they're not no. great. AJ Epinesa looked they, like they've... a superstar, though, against you. He did, and Greg Brousseau. Like, fair play to him. He looked great. I mean, he's being, you know, he's coming up against literal, like, wheelchair grannies in terms of blocking ability on the O-line. But, yeah, I mean, just fucking terrible. I, I, I don't want to go into it too deeply because it still enrages me. But, like, how you can how you can comment on Tua and Brousseau and their ability as quarterbacks when they're basically getting hit as soon as they catch the snap is just... Well, is pressure yeah, rising a little bit if they calls. can't fix this offense at some Especially on Chan... Ch- Chan No, is Chan your... Chan retired. We asked him to retire. You've got co-offensive coordinator. Who's your, who's your front office guy, GM? Oh, Chris Greer, the magic man. Yeah, like he's put a lot of resources into this bloody offensive line and none of it is coming off. Like, well, we yeah, last, I mean... To... Like, if you look at the your first-round draft last year, you're like, oh, look at all these first-round picks... 
we got for Laramie Tunsil. Let's replace, let's get Tua, who we're not sure about that. Let's get Austin Jackson, who is basically a turnstile. And let's get Noah, how am I saying Noah Iguanonab? Iguanonab. Yeah, who has been a healthy scratch for the last two weeks and looks like a mighty bust for first rounder. Yeah. I, mean, I think, and to be, to be fair to Chris Greer, I, I really, really like Brian Flores, but Chris Greer defaults to Brian Flores when it comes to personnel issues. So, like, Brian Flores has as much blame as Chris Greer on the O-line being shit, for example, and it's like on, on those picks because he has a massive say on personnel. Like, you do have to, you know, I like a lot of things about Brian Flores, but if you're going to praise him, you also have to you know, be fair and, and criticise him when he's, when he's due criticism. And I think both of them are due a lot of criticism for not getting the offensive line right, not getting the offensive line staff right as well, massively. Right. Um. I mean, when when quizzed about you know what happened with the offensive line this weekend, our offensive line coach said it's not like the sky's falling, um, which you know to I yeah, yeah basically being like oh everyone needs to calm down. It's like no mate, to be honest, we lost thirty five nil because your unit was fucking terrible and almost damn near killed our starting quarterback and didn't improve at any point and gave up his, almost historically bad pass pass blocking grades for the entirety of the game against okay, not not a particularly good defensive line so i would class that as the closest thing to the to the sky falling because your unit's fucking shit i think we've got a promo if it's any if it's any consolation our friends at pff uh graded the dolphins players and the top they grade rated... everyone's show is their job mate yeah that is true that the, all the top-rated Dolphins players in week two were all defense. Yeah, checks out. That's on a team that lost 35 by 35 yeah. points. The, yeah, I mean, some of our defense players look quite good, but it, it, I mean, if you're on the field for the entirety of the fucking game because the offense yeah, and puts you in terrible field position all the time, then and the, uh, good. Are, you, are they somewhat, the Dolphins, a little bit victims of their own success last year? Like they made the playoffs despite this O line because their defense was dominant for stretches, and they're now in year three of Brian Flores. We also we didn't we didn't make the playoffs last year because we got blown out by the Bills. That is true. Week seventeen, they're becoming quite the occurrence. Yeah. Um, but the fact is that it's Brian Flores is year three now, and the expectations are slowly going to be there. Like this isn't a rebuilding team anymore. You should be. At yeah, we're reaching the, the point the where we need results. Hundred percent. They're now a, a dark horse team. Well, many, yeah, I look, watching this game is like I can't believe I put this team over the Patriots because I don't understand how I don't get how you're going to win games consistently unless this offensive line that improves significantly and bloody quickly next because week. Because you also, yeah. quite frankly, even if you don't make the playoffs, you need to know what you have in Tua. Yeah, exactly, and I mean that's half the battle with this as well as like. And and what I was talking to you about on Sunday, Slew, in terms of like how can you how can you judge Tua's ability purely as a quarterback when he's literally just constantly getting hit and constantly being pressured as soon as he as soon as he gets the snap? Yeah. Like you don't know if he's an accurate quarterback. You don't know if he's good at reading the field. I mean, it, he doesn't look like he is right now because he gets his first read and then he shits himself and throws it away. And we don't know how much Probably of that is because, because he knows he's about to get hit. So he's like, right, I need to get rid of this because exactly. first read isn't open. It's got to go somewhere. 
Exactly. I mean, to be fair, the dude probably thinks at this point, if yeah, if first read's not open, then if I don't throw this ball away, I'm going to fucking die. So it can go anywhere, to be honest. And that's what I mean. Like, you can't, you, 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 I mean, obviously, you can't put a quarterback in a vacuum and there's always going to be these factors. But I don't think you know what you have in, in Tua with the situation you've put him in so far. There's also the fact that if that continues, then it's going to have a lasting impact on the rest of his career. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, their tour is in danger right now of like, I mean, he's someone that came into the NFL with a, a massive injury and has found himself on the team with possibly the, I mean, quite possibly the worst O-line in the league, mm-hmm. like in terms of the giving up quarterback hits and pressures. So for someone that has already came in with durability concerns, that's the fucking worst situation you could be in. Like, I don't care about how much he likes Miami and everything like that. Like, from a health standpoint, he is man in danger at the moment. And the issue is he needs to be able to read the field and get through his progressions because we were discussing this. He doesn't have any elite physical traits. Like he's not a bad mover, yeah. but he's not going to burn a linebacker for pace or get to the side. No, he's not, he's not that, he's not and that he doesn't guy. Ha- he definitely doesn't have a top tier arm either. So he needs to be able to read the field well. And to be that, he needs to be protected. Otherwise he's going to get Josh Rosen. He is going to get Josh Rosen, exactly. And I mean, as well, just in terms of like the expectation that you put on QBs to be able to progress and develop their game, if he's never having the opportunity to get through a full set of reads, how is he ever going to be able to develop that side, that mental side of the game? He's just not, and that's not his fault. That's the, the fault of the organisation for putting him in, in the situation where he's constantly running for his life. And he can't run bloody quick enough. He can't. No. He, it's not. He's not that dude. You can't turn him into a running back when he gets the NFL. He's got no hips. Yeah, I think uh, that is about all of the ranting that I can suffer. Yeah, I'm ranted out. I can suffer from today. So, thank you once again for downloading or listening to this podcast. It's been an absolute joy. You can follow us on Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, at the Dropback. You can read our articles on the website that is back up and live at thedropback.com yes. or .co.uk, whatever you fancy. I've been your host, Joe. I've been Sam. And I've been Matt. Until next time. Peace. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. I didn't invite you, Slew, because um, I don't like you. <laughs>